head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 277 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcast, joined today by the Alexander Usyk of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about uh, not a great night in the world of mixed martial arts. Like over the kind of over the pandemic uh, era, let's call it that, and maybe after this, the first few weeks of it, maybe in the first few months of it, after that we all we kind of got past the the whole testing and the the safety issue of it with MMA. I kind of tried to make the the podcast and podcasts in general more positive and stuff. But I feel like this might, no, not to put people off or anything, please stay tuned, there will be some positives on it, but I feel like this might be a bit of a negative podcast, watching those fights last night, especially the Robbie Lawler fight, oh, I just, I was a bit sad, but anyway, we'll get into that in a second, Graham, how are you, how are things? Yeah, all good, all good, yeah, I know what you mean, you know, looking at the the, 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 the fights, you probably pick a few decisions, but the, they they can be exciting decisions and they can be boring decisions and uh, there was a few good few boring decisions yeah the first four fights on the night were four submissions and the last six were all decisions and like even yeah as you said there some some can be exciting decisions like um the ricardo lamas bilal fight was a fantastic fight a great decision but let's talk about this robbie lawler fight first because watching okay robbie lawler has only fought once in la it's his first time since he uh, since he fought last august against uh is it Colby Covington or if I'm gone mad? I think it's Colby. Hold on, let me just pull it up here. But, it, it like, yeah, Colby Covington last August. He fought Ben Askren before that, obviously, in the fight. Uh, that we <coughs> The infamous fight now, is, as we remember, in March. But, like, to me, this, it kind of signaled, and we'll talk about Robbie Lawler in a second himself, but it kind of signaled the end of an era in MMA in, in some way. And maybe I'm, I'm overplaying it, but, like, this, Robbie Lawler, we remember him, <laughs> the the replay it's like a different human being of him uh, knocking out Nick or getting knocked out by Nick Diaz yeah years and years and years ago like in the what was it UFC fucking twenty seven or something like that years ago and it's Robbie Lawler came back and he beat you know he 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 won the title and he was you know a really good fighter in the modern era and he came from the old era and became that and like. I feel like Rob, Robbie Lawler was kind of from the second era of UFC fighters, if you want to call it that. Like, you had the you had the Heist Gracies and the Ken Jamrocks and all that at the start. And they're kind of, you know, no one retires in MMA, but they're kind of gone now. And then you had the second era, which was... And it may, maybe there's an era before that you could argue so, but it, there's kind of the, the modern, more modern era of MMA, which was able to translate, like Heist Gracie and Ken Jamrock and them, they couldn't really translate uh, to, to modern MMA because they'd be, t- first of all, they'd be too old and maybe, you know, th- th- there's other reasons as well. But Robbie Lawler managed to do that and very few did. And I feel like, uh, I feel like that was kind of the end of Robbie Lawler. Like, you're you're not going, you can't be a, a world champion or you can't be a, like a top, top fighter and losing to Neil Magny. And no disrespect to Neil Magny, he's a very good fighter and all that. But 
like Robbie Lawler was a top class fighter not too long ago and it feels like it's gone like it feels like you know Nick Diaz has kind of gone too he hasn't fought in a good while and you know BJ Penn is gone and Jins Pulver is gone and other guys from that era are kind of gone and maybe it's kind of the era before my era maybe but I kind of went back and I'm sure you did as well and watched all of those lads and uh, and, and like the start of their year anyway um, and appreciated them and now it feels like it feels like we've kind of moved on a little bit from that and it's a little bit sad for me what, what do you think yeah well like you know people like neil magny were kind of came from the tough seasons where people are kind of given up on tough yeah. uh, the ultimate fighter like so uh, i know what you mean like you know at the start of the ultimate fighter we were kind of getting the best fighters uh, some of the best fighters going for a contract but then by the time magny was in it it was kind of like just find a guy so people didn't really have the expectations and if you had said to people back then that guy will be be beating Robbie Lawler in a few years mm-hmm. comprehensively and dominating him. Um, it'll be it'll be quite hard to believe for a lot of people. So, but with Robbie Lawler, there was also was a strike force where where yeah. he kind of went and went up went up away to middleweight and kind of didn't seem motivated and and um, just kind of lost a few fights. He he you would have expected him to win. And you kind of thought it was all over for him then. And then obviously he made his run to the to the the title in the UFC, which you, you definitely wouldn't have seen coming if you had of um, if you had been watching his career closely in in Strikeforce. Mm-hmm. So like at thirty eight, maybe it's there isn't time to turn it around again. But um, maybe he could. Be, I don't think he's going to get a run at the title ever again. But he, I think he's still a problem for for a lot of guys in the division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know what I, you mean though. It yeah. is like it is. It is like, you know, uh, uh, he is like from a different era, like, you know, him and Nick Diaz were probably, what, what age were they, like 19 and 20 back then when they yeah. fought. That's a long time ago. That's 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 a generation ago and, he, and he's still going and he's still, he's still like competitive against a lot of guys, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely a case of the game passing, passing these guys by and passing Robbie Lawler by, I think. Yeah, I think, I think the thing about it as well is it's kind of the last bastion of um non MMA fighters becoming <laughs> you know world champions or something like that. You know what I mean? Like lads who just started out. And I know he's you know he was with the military fighting systems and all and they're very much MMA fighters. But you know what I mean? Like the guys who kind of were tough guys from the street and kind of fell into MMA and kind of got you know got to got to that position. Like now it's most of these guys like the likes of Sean O'Malley and all like that. These guys are training jiu jitsu and training MMA for you know from childhood and everything like that. And it's it's a different world these days. And I feel like I I talked about it before, but I feel like MMA needs to be exciting, and it's still exciting, and they need to do things to make it more exciting. But I feel like the fandom is a lot harder these days than it was in. Like, maybe back then, someone would have been a Robbie Lawler fan, someone would have been a Nick Diaz fan, and you're like, oh, fuck you, I think Robbie Lawler's going to, I think Nick Diaz is going to. I I know there's still that these days, but I'm not sure if it's as fervent these days as, as it was back then. And I don't want to be the, like the, the this guy saying, oh, there'll never be another Reiki, you know, you know anything like that. But, and we see like guys like Adesanya and McGregor, obviously, has great fan bases and, and other people like that as well. But, um, it, it's a little bit different because I think it's harder these days to become even known or to beat guys that are known. Like, like let's say o- O'Malley coming through. Like, if he beat Cheeto Vera, Cheeto Vera, like, we know him and people, you know, people know him, but, like, even if he had won that fight, like, how much is it actually doing for him? Whereas back in the day, Robbie Lawler, uh, Nick Diaz, someone 
wins that fight and it, it means a lot for him and it not, not even on that point but like last night i was watching those fights and like it was just like an ex apart from the top two and maybe the lamas fight as well and maybe the grasso fight it was like an extended dana white contender series where we're not, even people like people listening to this podcast and us we've been covering this sport for what eight nine years maybe more at this stage I lose count and ever like most people 99 percent of people listening to this are are hardcore mma fans i'm like there's <laughs> no, you probably know uh, off the, the undercard. You probably know, you know, you might know uh, Whitmire, you might know Brady and Caceres and Cummins. But other than that, like, like these are names that, like, oh, oh yeah, I saw, probably saw him fight like six months ago. What's he like again? And he comes up and, oh, yeah, there. Like, we, we have no connection to these fighters. We don't know them as well as we used to before. Obviously, it's because there's so many fights and so many fighters and so much of a turnover now with the contender series as well that it's... I think it's tougher to become a fan of someone. It's tougher for fighters to have fans. And it's also tougher for fighters who do become that to get like big meaningful wins because of the fact that their opponents just haven't built it up anymore. And it's, I think, you know, looking at the Irish scene even, I think it's a little bit easier because there aren't that many fighters in Ireland. Like there's, what, I don't know. I think Andy made a list the other day of like 50 or something. And at any one time, there's probably, in normal times outside the pandemic, there's probably, what, 20 fighting or something. And, you know, that's not that hard to to keep control of. We could talk about James Gallagher or Paul Hughes or Ian Gary or Kiefer Crosby or Paul Redmond, whoever it might be. And people know them and we can kind of keep on top of them and we're, they're lucky there there's a, a podcast or two going around that'll talk about irish mma fighters of all all the time we can kind of keep on top of them but worldwide and in mma itself in the ufc even i think that's i think that's an issue for and it's not maybe an issue as much for the ufc but i think it's an issue for fans and for people keeping interest like it's I, I find it myself and i'm covering this more and i come on here and i talk about it every week i find it very hard to even keep paying attention to these fights like uh ima casanaga versus uh, maki patola like i just zoned out of that fight i'm like i don't care about this fight like maybe one of these guys will be good and maybe they'll win a world championship in five years i'll care about them then and yeah, that- the lack of jeopardy yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing kind of on the line bar winning and and losing like mm-hmm. <clears throat> Nothing's gonna like project this guy into a number one contender or a top, a top fight against a guy who, where the, you're really hoping to see the matchup or you really want to see the guy tested. Like you get that the odd time. Obviously, you mentioned Adesanya when he was on the up. You, you were kind of learning things, even even if he wasn't fighting like the top top guys. You, you were finding out things about him, and same with people like Yair Rodriguez coming up and Peter Piotr Jan and stuff like that but the oversaturation just means that it's really like even for you and, and me it's really hard to to keep up with, with these guys even if you watch the fight sometimes you, you can't remember and you have to pull up their their record and be like oh yeah that fight yeah you, you, it could be like a month ago the fight and you've forgotten about it because there's so many fights mm-hmm. yeah I, I, yeah like even even like last week who was the main event last week could you tell me it wasn't uh, <laughs> um yeah, it was. No. I I just remember it was like yeah, 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 yeah. But like it's it's tough to remember these things. It's just there's just so much. Like even look, looking forward to next week, um, we we get to it after after this car. But like uh, Augusta Sakai, who Alistair Overeem was fighting, I could not remember him. Like I had to watch a couple of fights and go, okay, yeah, it's that guy. No, it's it's a it's a weird situation which we find ourselves in <clears throat> and another thing as well while we're on this kind of topic uh, i talked about it on 
I think it was on the Q&A last week uh, over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. Sign up. Start of the month now, coming up uh, Monday. So if you're listening to this on Monday, sign up. <coughs> but anyway, I was talking about it's di- very difficult for the UFC. And, oh, you know, I complained about it there for the last 10 minutes. So maybe, uh, maybe I'll roll back a little bit. But it's difficult for the UFC these days because of the pandemic. You know, they don't have all their fighters available. Maybe on this card, you know... Uh, Leon Edwards might have been on it normally and he can't get over to America or Volkanovski might have been on it. You know, I'm obviously fighting at Volkanovski, but you know what I mean? Like Dan Hooker might have been on or someone like that um, that can't get over there at the moment. So I can cut him a little bit of slack like that, but they're in a very, very precarious position, I think, because we're in, in a situation now where there's more people watching pay-per-views than there normally would be because there isn't as much sport and people are stuck indoors. And even if they're not stuck indoors, they're choosing to stay indoors, as we've seen in countries around the world. I think Sweden is probably a good example of that and so but and there, i'm sure there's more people i haven't been i actually haven't heard much about it but i'm sure there's more people watching on tv than there normally would be as well and for the ufc to be putting out an inferior product at that time is very very dangerous i think and now what can they do about it i'm not criticizing them for doing it because it's very hard uh very hard these days to put on a great card just because of of the the pandemic and everything like that but it's a little bit of a catch-22 like i feel like I know they can't do this, but I feel like it would benefit the UFC if, let's say, what have we, four months left in the year, uh, and let, let's say they have 20 cards left. I think it might benefit them to put on 15 cards. I know with the TV deals and all, they, they can't do that, but it's we're a very, very precarious situation, I think, for the UFC at the moment, where putting on cards like this is... I don't know. I don't but know. Just think about it like this: like you know, people used to be kind of trying to find Facebook uh, prelim streams yeah. and get to get that working and going crazy when the when it was glitching a little bit. And now people, if it was on Facebook, wouldn't even, or if it was on some slightly difficult way to watch the the first fight of the night, they wouldn't. Like, what was the first fight of the night? Yes. Today, can you even remember without looking? No, I'm looking at it. I only know that Mar- Mallory Martin versus uh, Hannah Seifert. Yeah, and it, it, you know nobody's gonna be <laughs> trying to like nobody's gonna care if that's if that's glitching a little bit uh, on their stream. <laughs> Actually, I I'll, I'll disagree with you there because it was glitching on my fucking stream. I was watching it on uh, <clears throat> on Fight Pass on the Xbox, and it was terrible. It, like it just went black and for about fifteen seconds and or no more, about ninety seconds in the middle of the fight and uh, in the middle of the first round, people were saying it was a ten eight, and all. I was like, oh really? Was it? But yeah, yeah, like the UFC Fight Pass app, just they've made it so much worse everywhere, and the the Xbox app as well is just horrible. But anyway, right, we, we'll get into a few of the fights there and stop our complaining for a little bit. But um, yeah, the, the the first few fights, as I said, I mentioned, I uh, missed a bit of that Mallory Martin Cyphers fight, but it was uh Cyphers won the first round, and a lot of people said ten eight, and a great comeback then for Martin. She got the body lock takedown. Uh, the rear naked choke, a great comeback, as I said there. Uh, then Emily Whitmire versus Pollyanna Vi- uh, Vianna. Uh, amazingly, Vianna came into this fight as the underdog, even though uh, I think Whitmire was 4-3 and three coming into the fight, and Vianna had like 18 fights, maybe not against all the, the best competition, but anyway. Um, it was when she got, the fight got to the ground, and uh, a jiu-jitsu expert would be able to tell you better than this, but for me, looking at it, it looked like she was going for the armbar on one side. And you know the way you kind of bring over your leg to one side and you bring over your arm and you isolate one arm at one side. And then she switched really quickly and went for the arm at the other side and she kind of caught um, Whitmire unawares. And she got the, the armbar? Armbar? I feel like I've single-handedly brought back armbars into MMA by saying armbar weirdly, but nice armbar. Anyway. Did you see any of these early fights, Graham? Or did you, were you uh, struggling to find a stream? 
Yeah, no, I, I saw the finishes up and they did kind of recap. They were like, here's what happened earlier. But yeah, it was, it was uh, it's, uh, you know, in low level fights where people are whatever, three and three or four and three, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. you're more likely to see the arm bars. It's just the, the ones where Verdun pulls it out is where it's surprising. Yeah. Lower level <clears throat> MMA or kind of up and coming MMA, maybe for some, some, like sometimes you find, say, like this, uh, the Sean Brady fight, or uh, you know, Alex Caceres even fighting this guy Austin Springer, who to me was terrible. But anyway, you sometimes at this, I know you'll see this more now because of the new people coming in. There's be there'll be a big differential, and that's my kind of point about jujitsu, where a lot, especially at the high level, there isn't a big differential in jujitsu because everyone's so good at it. But when you see lower level MMA, you might see one guy who's you know training with fucking <laughs> you know I don't know training with. Uh, for Verdum or someone like that in, in their camp and they're really good at jiu-jitsu or they have a, John Danher is their trainer or something and then you have someone from like fucking Nova Scotia who's training with his uncle you know, and, and he's a very good fighter and he turned out he was a boxer or something and then he gets submitted like that's not going to happen when it's fucking Dustin Poirier versus Tony Ferguson or something like that you know what I mean uh, so it's you're going to see more submissions and it makes it exciting it makes it fun so it's not too bad but I, I think that's the reason why we're seeing more submissions recently it's just there's a lower level of MMA at the top level, and it's not just me saying it. There is definitely less submissions, but anyway, this this Sean Brady fight, I think, I think it's interesting looking at Sean Brady because he uh, he has a very very good style for his body type. Right, he's a, this big muscular guy who boxes very well and has good takedowns. But I think he uses these takedowns at a very good time to make his style more efficient. Like you, I don't think. I don't think it'll be easy for Sean Brady at all to fight five rounds and like there's people talking about him as a world champion I think it's going to be difficult because if you can't go five rounds on the field like let's say Colby Covington versus um versus uh Cameron Usman where they went okay four rounds and five minutes and 50 seconds or whatever it was very close like those boys were going non-stop on the feet even though they're kind you know they're wrestlers I don't know if Sean Brady will be able to do that with his body type. I think it's, uh, I think his style is very good. But like, let let's say he and okay, he's he's thirteen and all now or something. He's only a few fights in the UFC. Maybe it's it's difficult to be putting him up there already. But let's say he fights the likes of Colby Covington, right? And you can't, he's not going to be able to take Colby Covington down at the end of every round. You know, for three or five round fight, that's just not going to happen. Like, then is he going to get tired? And is Colby the one that's going to start pushing him against the cage? Like, there's people talking about Sean Brady as uh, as a world champion and everything like that. And I don't like if Brady had knockout power like big knockout power to go with his wrestling and good jujitsu and everything like that i'd say the same and now he is very good everywhere now he's knockout power and everything but i don't think he has that concussive knockout power that's going to take him to the very top that'll you know we at the moment if you say if you look at champions right go go through the ufc champions uh davidson figueredo not a big muscular guy and obviously a 145 or 125 it's going to be hard to be <coughs> Perry and a little bit volkanovsky a little bit as well, but not much. I think it's more done in his boxing and his cardio and everything like that. Nurmagomedov, no. Usman, not really. Adesanya, not really. Jones, not really. De- definitely not really. Stipe Miocic, not really either. And the women's fighters as well the same. Like, I... I the, the likes of, like, Hector Lombard being the best fighter in the world or Gleason Thibault being guys we... Uh, you know, that they 
really hate fighting I, I think those days are kind of gone a little bit and I think Brady will have to adjust or there'll have to be an adjustment maybe in MMA for him to be a world champion but I, I still uh, and that's been very critical because I think he is very good and he's very smart as well that's one thing about Brady I think he's smart um, I know a few people shitting it but I, I like him versus Shimaev right now I, I think I think the era of matching up um or not not matching up prospects has kind of gone a little bit i think and it's, i think it's still wrong to do it like their first couple of fights in the ufc or whatever but they're like these lads i think shimev is three or four fights into the ufc and i think brady's around the same this is this is the time where right they're embedded into the ufc <clears throat> even if brady loses that even if shimev loses that fight i think both guys are coming back and we, we're gonna know both guys and uh, you know people who are, who are paying attention to them know they're still going to be good fighters and still going to be right up there uh, and I think matching them right now is not is going to propel one forward and maybe not knock the other one back a little bit, but not as much as say like you know you're you're losing and you're almost getting cut from the UFC after losing them. But uh, what do you think of that fight? What do you think of Sean Brady versus Shimmer? Yeah, I think it's a little early to do that. Like I'm maybe of the old school where you kind of keep these guys apart for for at least a little longer. You know, obviously Shimmer has made a bit of a splash, but Brady's kind of an, an unknown to uh, to everybody outside the hardcore still, mm-hmm. and it's his first finish in the UFC. Um, I think uh, I think it'd be too early, and I think. Uh, he just got dominated by Shimaev. Yeah. So I don't, I, 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 I don't think it does much for Shimaev because nobody knows outside of the hardcore who Brady is and, um, and the the style matchup. You can, you can, you can get Shimaev quick wins, build them up fast if you if you give him the right matchups. And the Brady fight mightn't be the, mightn't be the, you know, the best move, especially for Brady's Brady side. If they're if they're talking, with, I don't, I don't know if like I think it's very premature to be talking about champion in brady's case but if they're talking like that they they definitely don't want to put him in into the the fire against him i have that quickly yeah I, 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 yeah it's an interesting one i think i think we have to kind of adjust our thinking on that because there are a lot of lads coming through like that you know especially at a, a weight class like uh like welterweight like you have these lads and then you you go up through the rankings and you have you know the likes of jeff neal who was supposed to fight against magni last night and you have magni and you have you know other guys like that and there's, and then you have you go up another bit, and you have Leon Edwards, and you have Masvidal, and you have Covington, and then there's maybe a mid group even of Kiesa and Maya and Wonderboy and all like that, and Wonderboy maybe put him up a little bit, but I think you have to, like if Wonderboy wants to move and fight for title, he's going to need to beat Edwards or Covington, you know, and if uh, Dasanius wants to move up, or maybe, okay, if Jeff Neal wants to move up and he wants to fight an Edwards or one of them, he's going to have to be the Magni, or he's going to have to be the Kiesa, I think we have a ladder at this stage where you kind of have to climb that ladder at your right step and maybe that maybe they'll take a few steps more before they meet but uh i think i think guys like that if they keep going i think they will eventually meet um but yeah it's uh, like if if i had my way i wouldn't be doing that but i think i think the ufc and the matchmaking the ufc has changed uh but however we'll, we'll see how it goes um well, i think for Shimaev, like if they want to build him up he does seem to have a bit on the microphone like you know uh his post fight kind of awkward boxed off coronavirus restrictions interview like you know it's yeah. you can't really be as charismatic as maybe you could be with the crowd there reacting to your to your stuff and all that stuff but he still did a very good job got a lot of people talking um uh, about what he said and stuff not only is not only is fight and you if you can give him guys like that aren't good wrestlers uh repeatedly for the next two or three fights then you know uh you can, he can have this you know oh he's only been hit 
five times in five fights and yeah. you know you, you can build up that statistic and put that on an ad and get casual people interested and you know um I think I think yeah I think it's better keep them keep Brady and she might have a part mm-hmm. be interesting to see how it goes uh next fight did Alex Ceres versus Austin Springer Austin Springer to me just looked looked awful like it's for you never know what Alex Ceres is going to show up and I didn't actually think there was it was a great Alex Caceres that showed up at all. He was getting um he was getting kicked in the leg, but his his opponent just didn't look great at all. And he got the the fight to the ground and managed to get the uh get the rear naked choke. Uh, after that, then we had Zach Cummins versus Alicia Deshikro, and the other fight as well that I mentioned earlier, Impa versus Mickey Mackie Patolo. Two unanimous decisions there for Cummins and Impa. Uh, and then we got to the main card. This Ricardo Lamas Bilalgio fight, I thought it was it was fantastic. Obviously, Bilalgio was the guy who was, who fought Brendan Lachnan and uh, and lost to Brendan Lachnan and <laughs> didn't got into the UFC, uh, even though Dana White made that face and it's like, okay, you're going to give an opportunity to the guy. And I know it was on chart notice and everything, but you give an opportunity to the guy who got take down, but not the the guy who got the take down and beat him what thirty twenty seven or whatever it was or twenty nine twenty eight. But anyway, uh, it turned into a very good fight. The first round, Lamas. Uh, hit a lot of leg kicks and Aljo was struggling a little bit with him uh, but it was relatively close I thought uh, Aljo did a good job of, of landing some big shots and landing some power shots but I thought Lamas just did enough um, Lamas pushed him against the cage at the start of the second I thought it wouldn't be enough but he landed nice knee almost KO'd him in the middle of that round and um, or from, from Aljo even <clears throat> and I think that did enough to, to kind of bring Aljo back into it. And then from that point on, I think he kind of was winning the round from there. So when you land a big almost KO like Aljo did, and then you win the round from the rest of the point after someone's just pushing you against the cage, I think that's a definitely 10-9 from Aljo. But in the third round, I thought it was veteran savvy from Lamas, really. He turned into a grappling match. Um, at the start, Aljo landed... I, I think Aljo was winning it, actually, at the start when it was on the ground because he was landing some uh, some nice balls from the bottom. Uh, but Lamas up the pace a lot. Um, he, he landed some big, big shots, especially in the last 45 seconds. And the, all three judges gave this a 10-8. And I think it's probably because Lamas dominated around for about three minutes after the... Or maybe, maybe a little bit less, but after the initial uh, Aljo blows from the bottom. And in that last 45 seconds, he landed... Or he threw some big shots. I actually don't think... Half as many of those landed, maybe as it looked like. I think he was missing a lot of them. I think Aljo kind of got out the way of him, and I don't think there was one big, huge blow that almost knocked Aljo out. I think it was a borderline ten eight, like a ten eight. I think ten eight's a good score. I, I gave it ten nine to Lama, so it didn't change the the fight anyway for me. It was twenty nine twenty seven and all three cards. I had twenty nine twenty eight Lamas, but uh, really good fight. I enjoyed yeah, this. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well, and I, I think uh, I agree with you. I think it was a ten nine in the last round. Like I think uh, people are kind of looking to give ten eight sometimes, but I, I think I think it was it's not a bad score, but I think it was it was a ten nine. You know, people love a bit of a flurry and stuff, but if you actually look at a lot of a lot of flurries and stuff like that, as you mentioned, a lot of punches kind of don't land or or half land or not even like glance off, and mm. a lot of time it's the excitement of the kind of oh they're throwing down here that kind of makes people think it's more effective than it is I think mm-hmm. I also think in that point being there live be, like being there live I think is a, w- a bigger help than it is a hindrance at uh, most of the time because you hear like the blows and you can feel them and you see how hard it is and 
you, when you're a judge and you've been doing it a long, long time, you know, if you've been doing it for ten years or whatever, you can kind of gauge the level of damage that's been put on by big those big shots by being there and near them. But sometimes I think in a, in a situation like this where you can't like fully see the shots where you don't have like a zoomed in, and may, you know maybe some of the judges are looking at their monitors or whatever. But if you're looking straight on it, and I know myself because I've sat cage side of fights and, and watched them, and I don't know myself in terms of judging in a high pressure fight like this in a main guard in the UFC. But you know what I mean? You kind of miss some. Uh, shots or you think maybe one shot lands and you know you, you know Lamas throws a big shot and it hits the canvas and you're looking at the other side of it, it looks like it hits him in the face and doesn't actually hit him you know it's it's a difficult one and now you know as i said not a bad score at all but i i feel like if this is one of those rounds where and then this is very much inside the uh, fucking baseball or whatever you want to call it, it didn't make any difference at all to the fight but anyway um it's one of those fights maybe if you got the opportunity to watch it live and watch it back i think you might give it a 10-9 but yeah it didn't uh, I, I think it was borderline so it didn't make a big difference but um ricardo lamas kind of half retired afterwards and he kind of you know he did his whole mma retirement thing but uh, like you've given lamas plenty of shit in looking the past looking forward to the next fight <laughs> yeah me too you've given lamas plenty of shit i feel like lamas is one of these guys right who is both overrated and underrated at the same time and i think now he's kind of gone fully underrated because i think he's a good wrestler he's very good kicks he's good boxing he's always he's, go, he's good fight. everywhere he's always been good everywhere but not great anywhere and maybe like sometimes when he's been mentioned as oh he dominate this guy or dominate this guy in the wrestling you're just thinking what are you watching like you know um then you have to kind of go a little bit the other way and yeah. you know and maybe it's the the real talent or the real ability is is somewhere in the middle there that's that's what usually happens but you know as you mentioned this guy aljo isn't exactly you know a, a world beater no. No, you know he's a good fighter what do you think uh, guy that dana white refuses to, to bring into the ufc <laughs> <laughs> beat him like you know what i mean who do you think is a better fighter throughout their career if we, let's say we leave what they've won aside right and we just look at them as a fighter themselves uh ricardo lamas or frank yeager oh uh, frank yeager frank yeager why though why is why is he better? Yeah, like because he's fought and beat way high level, high higher level Warner, competition yeah. than yeah. Lamas. Lamas has never beaten anybody top level. Yeah, but has he though? Like Frank Edgar, okay, he beat uh, he beat BJ Penn a couple of times. BJ Penn, when lost, BJ Penn was the man, like he, lost and, obviously he didn't actually win that fight, the first fight yeah, in my opinion. But uh, did he beat Benson Henderson or was that no? No, he lost both of those fights. Yeah. I think he actually did beat him though. One of the one of those, didn't he? Yeah. He lost to he lost yeah. to um, Max Holloway. He lost to Jose Aldo. You know he lost to Brian Ortega. No, I, I think they're closer than people. Might like if you go back and you actually think about it. Okay, he knocked out Chad Mendes after McGregor had destroyed him. But like, um, Lamas has some good wins as well. Beat Charles Oliveira, who's doing brilliant things at the moment. Beat Dennis Bermudez, who was great at the time. Beat uh, beat Max Holloway. Yeah. But you lost like Mendes. Cole, you watch Mendes against Lamas, and how did that, like how's that going? Like. It's going a lot different than Mendes getting knocked out. Yeah, I'd probably agree with Frank Yeager as well, but I'm just being, <laughs> just being a bit of a freak about it, to be honest. But anyway, you just uh, hate Frank Yeager. <laughs> no, I don't. I just kind of, I, I have a little bit of an affinity for Ricardo Lamas because you gave him such a fucking, uh, you gave him such a, a berating so many times. Poor sure, you know, you, you remember back in years ago when people were were 
it's the same with Frankie Edgar. People were saying I was massively underrating Frankie Edgar because uh, yeah. I didn't agree that he would smash everybody with wrestling easily. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of his? Uh, what did you think of his performance last week? I know you weren't on the podcast last week. I thought he lost, but uh, I thought it was a better performance maybe than I expected. <laughs> but I expected him to lose a decision, and I thought he should have lost a decision. So it was kind of around about what I thought. But yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I, I thought looking back at it, we did the podcast last week, and I didn't see the scorecards yet. And one of the judges gave, uh, oh god, my memory started with the third third round was to Frank Yeager, which I do not think was good judging at all. I think that was that was wrong. I, I and I think if that judge gave the round to um, Munoz, Munoz would have won the fight. So <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say a robbery here, but. <laughs> I think if you look at that round itself, not the fight overall, but if you look at that round, I think that's really bad judging, to be honest. I, I think that third round, the Frank or, uh, Munoz definitely won a push. Yeah. Frank Yeager's always one of those guys that you got to factor in, though, that the judges seem to just give him rounds he doesn't win. Um, Historically, and uh, maybe recently there hasn't been as, ma- as much as that, but certain guys like Diego Sanchez, another one, like, you know so many rounds you could look at and be like what are people talking about yeah like mma judging has changed as well where like before that did score output and pushing forward and stuff where it doesn't as much anymore but uh yeah i don't know it's 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 an interesting debate to have in here but uh this robbie lawler or uh, alexa grasso i forgot about that one i thought it was a, a pretty good fight i thought kim was landing some big blows early but grasso was just doing more throughout the whole fight nice jab and everything like that um you could see the speed of grasso coming up from uh 115 which kind of told the story here and kim just didn't throw enough like the problem with a style like kim at women's uh flyweight is that like you're probably not knocking someone like Grasso down who's very tough and who has a good chin and has good defense as well. And you don't throw enough shots to make the immediately impact, the immediately impactfulness of them, immediate impactfulness, there you go, of them enough to win the round over someone who's landing 100 shots around, you know, or 40 shots around, whatever it might be. Um, so I think that's a big issue for a style like Kim at that way. Like, like if she was someone who'd concussive knockdown power, knockout power, be a different story. But the fact she doesn't is she's going to lose a lot of fights, 30-27 fighting like that against good people like Alexa Grasso. But good move for Grasso, I think, going to £125. Um, and I think... Uh, I think she looked good here. Uh, the co-main event then, we had the aforementioned Robbie Lawler versus Neil Magnified. Um, in the f- first round, Robbie Lawler goes for takedown, loses. Second round, Magny landed that head kick at one stage. I thought it hurt Lawler, got a takedown and got on top for the whole fight. Uh, whole round even. Then Robbie did a bit better in the third, I thought. Magny pulled guard at one stage after he got hurt by Robbie Lawler. Uh, and Magny kind of took the round in late. I thought it was relatively close. I'm, I'm actually surprised, maybe maybe not surprised, but I think Robbie could have gotten the third round on, on the car, but no, I, I scored a 30-27 as well. Um, I, I know this was, and we'll get to how Robbie looked in a second and all, but I know this was late notice and uh, Jeff Neal was supposed to fight Magny and all, but this is just bad matchmaking. Like, like, why would you do this with Robbie Lawler? Like, why would you give him someone like Neil Magny where he's just going to get laid upon for fucking three rounds? And, like, if you use someone like Robbie Lawler, just keep him Robbie Lawler a while more. Give him exciting fun fights. Get Nick Diaz out of retirement or have him fight Anderson Silva or yeah, something like that. don't want to take him down or yeah. can't take him down. 
It's yeah, like people are. Remember Rampage a few years ago, and I was always arguing he should fight fucking, you know, Mark Hunt at heavyweight or something like that. And people are like, no, like give him Ryan Bader. I'm like, fuck off, like who? Nobody wants to see that. Like, why would you do that? Like, okay, if you're a Neil Magny or a Neil Magny fan or his family or something, fair enough. But like, for the enjoyment of the fans, like, no, who wants it? It was fucking shit last night. Like, it was just depressing and oh, I hated this fight so much. Like, and it actually annoyed me after about two minutes into the fight. I kind of like, I think everyone was hoping him, and then, like taking that away from Neil Magny. I'm, I'm looking. I'm very. Uh, this is a very fanboy rant here for me, but anyway, I'm gonna go for it. it like. It's just a stupid fucking match. Like, because what are you getting out of this, right? You get Neil Magny gets a win over Robert Lawler. Big whoop. Like, Neil Magny not going to win a title anytime soon. And even if he did, even if he, like, he shocks someone, no one's going to care about it anyway. People are going to care a lot more if you get Robbie Lawler a win here against fucking Anthony Pettis or someone. And he goes on and he fights Anderson Silva and it's a good, fun fight. Like, uh, it's just, this annoyed me so fucking much. What, what did you think of it overall? Uh, um, yeah, I think it just went as I expected. Like, uh, when I was making my pick for the fight, I was like, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I was like, this is not good for Robbie Law, <laughs> you know, coming in without a full camp and fighting a, an awkward guy who sticks to a game plan very disciplinedly and is good everywhere and is just going to take him down. And if he can't take him down, he's, he's just going to clinch with him. And I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, you need to put these guys into not like a Legends League. I don't like the idea of that, but uh, kind of just pick the, the matchups better. That's, just pick the matchups better. Yeah, I, I agree. But, like, I, I still think Robbie Lawler has a bit of fight in him. I would, I'm not calling for him to retire or anything, but pick them, as you said, pick the matchups. Him versus Pettis, I think, is a good fight. Him versus uh, Anderson Silva, if he moves up to middleweight again, is a good fight. If they could get Nick Diaz out of the fucking nightclub, have him fight Robbie Lawler again, it'd be good. Even Nate Diaz versus Robbie Lawler would be a, be a fun fight, I think. But, yeah, it's yeah it's just just not for me this one but anyway uh and in the main event it was fucking shit again uh <laughs> it was just racket like it started off very well racket landed some lovely leg kicks massive and, leg kicks yeah. like yeah buckled him well he hits me with one and it kind of turned smith around where he looked like he was going for a takedown and he hit him with another one and it looked like it did buckle him but i don't think it well it hit him obviously very hard and it looked like it knocked him down but on replay I think it was just the way he was kind of turned and he was kind of going down anyway, maybe looking for a leg or something like that, but it was a hard leg kick. But from that point on, uh, it was just a, a BJJ match and a fucking boring one at that. And Rakich is on top. The second round, Smith tried a body lock takedown, ended up on the bottom. Rakich on top the whole round. These are my notes here I'm reading. Third round, Rakich on top all round. Shit fight. There you go. That's like... Uh, it's just so, like, do you close down the light heavyweight division? Like, who gives a shit about this division now? John Jones is gone. DC is gone. Alexander Gustafson is gone. Who cares? Like, just shut down the division. Make it a, make a cruiserweight division instead. Uh, shut down heavyweight, too. And let's just fight open weight. Once you're above 185 pounds, everyone just fight everyone. There isn't enough talent there to make enough divisions. Just fucking let's go crazy. What do you think? Nah, I think you know. Obviously, there's uh, nah. obviously there's there's like it's been the kind of worst condition this division. This used to be like you know the top division, two hundred five. Like you know the Randy Couture, Chuck Dell, Tito Ortiz. You know, uh, uh, it'll come again. Like you know, this just kind of goes in cycles, and um, you know, obviously. John Jones going to heavyweight is like the best thing that's that's happened to heavyweight in in a lot of years. If that if that goes through, like that's 
that's for me anyway that leads to a lot of exciting matchups um that I want to see how Jones does in and I want to see what Jones looks like and I want to see does he put on a lot of weight or does he you know there's a lot of things I want to see that John Jones at heavyweight so uh, definitely don't shut down all those divisions nah I already do fucking chill but the truth if he's that heavyweight he can fight Rakic or he can fight Stipe or Ngannou or whoever it was you know if they just did an open weight just call heavyweight everything from 186 pounds up and then we're perfect you know who cares? Like, these divisions are shit. I'm, they're nine years old. Because there isn't enough... There isn't enough talent in any of them. And if you put them all together, there'd be a good division. Like, and... I don't know. Okay, obviously, it's never going to happen. I'm only talking shit. But, anyway. I don't know. Anything from this fight, this Rakic-Smith fight? Like, Rakic is a good fighter. And I suppose he showed that he can grapple as well as knock lads out with uh, with headcase. But we've seen a bit of this before from him. I'm kind of just happy... Like, I was looking at Smith's record last night, and that ferocious beating he took against Glover Teixeira, who everyone was calling for the fight to be called off, like, for two and a half rounds. Uh, three months later, he fought last night, and he didn't take that much damage. Okay, he took a bit of damage to his legs, but he didn't take that much brain damage or anything. I'm kind of just glad he got out of that unscathed, to be honest. That's the one positive I take from this fight, but... Uh, and Any positive you take from the fight? Um, the leg kicks, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Um, I think at one stage the ref was going to stand him up, but he landed some like pretty good knees to the leg. Yeah, <laughs> that oh, kind of yeah. sums up the excitement of the fight. Bar the first round leg kicks. Yeah, like Justin Herzog stood up the co-main event once. I thought he should have stood it up more. I thought Herb in the main event should have stood it up three or four times. Like it was getting. Oh, it was just. Horrible, terrible. What? What did you? Uh, what would you score? What would your rating be for this fight? Oh, uh, I wish I had a list of my previous ratings as like a reference point, yeah. but like a, a three. Really, rookie score, and that's fucking ferociously high. I think I, I'd go with a. I'm going to one point four in this fight. One point. Although yeah, I must look, look at my list, but I'm, I've said one point four now. I can't go back, and I had, I was. Oh, it was terrible, like. Maybe that's a little bit low, actually. Maybe it should be a little bit higher because of the leg kicks early because, it, you know, it wasn't quite Nganu um, Lewis or anything like that, but, God, it was bad. I didn't enjoy this at all, but sure, these things happen in MMA. Um, right, we have a couple more things to talk about. There was a KSW card last night. Um, Matthias Gamros um, won in the main event, um, and he is, I believe he wants to go on and fight for the UFC, you know, he's talking about this is going to be the last fight, and I, you know, I think he's, he's well able, a very, very good fighter, um, we, there was some other big fights in as well, SPG's Pavel uh, Pitolo was on this card as well, I don't know if you know him, Graham, but he got a good win there over Bogdan Barbu, um, and there's, uh, some other fighters on it as well, but, uh, yeah, good to see kind of KSW coming back, and, uh, other cards as well, one quick thing here, Graham, Someone asked the question um, the other day on, on the Q&A and uh, it, it kind of pertains to, maybe, maybe not KSW, but events that were happening in the UK and maybe events coming up maybe in Ireland. and uh, The events in Ireland or the Cage Legacy cars are coming up for another two months, so we'll talk about that more when it comes. But we, <laughs> these days, right, there's hurling matches. So I was talking to my friend the other day, he was playing a soccer match and uh, I was like, oh, what's the crack with it? And he goes, right, there's social distancing or whatever and there's... Uh, there's hand sanitizing and you may maybe get a uh, temperature check and stuff when you go in, but there's not and you don't get tested or anything like that. It, 
I know it's funny because we talked about a lot at the start of the pandemic about how you need testing because there's it was you know and I, and I explained at times because of the, obviously the hospitals and because of, we did, didn't want to be overrun and we need to stay inside to stop spreading and everything like that but I think all over the world especially in maybe Ireland and the UK um, and other places as well obviously but I'm not paying attention maybe as closely to them as, as I would be but we're kind of living alongside it now and there's sports living alongside it as well uh, is, is MMA any different to those other sports in terms of like can an MMA event go on now without like major testing and I I think it probably can if all the other sports can and if there's not been any major outbreaks there and if the hospitals aren't over in which they aren't in Ireland at the moment what do you think like would you be comfortable it's just the restrictions yeah. of, of how many That's how many it. people indoors like indoors at one time and you know what the spread rate is like at the time is in two months time when or yeah. three months time when this case legacy car comes mm-hmm yeah, that, that's hundred percent. I I agree with that. But like, let's say, uh, yeah, I I think it's six indoors at the moment, so I wouldn't be able to do it. But let's say if it was fifty, like it was, and up until not too long ago, I think, I I think at that point, I think it's okay to have a card put on then, whether it's in England or whether it's in Ireland or whatever. Uh, but it's, that's a difficult one to say because we complained so much about it at the start of the pandemic. But I think I remember saying as well at the start of the pandemic. I didn't. I didn't want the next couple of UFC cards to happen at the time, but then I said, "But I want MMA to come back, and I think we need f- to find ways where we can live alongside this because this is going to be years instead of months." I said that at the time, and I think it's probably going to be correct, unfortunately. But I think we have now found ways to live alongside it. You know, I went down to Clarny last weekend, and everyone was social distancing, and the hotels were doing different things and all like that. And I know you and you were around the country and stuff as well, and people are kind of moving around, and maybe it's it, it, numbers have gone up and stuff in Ireland, but we we have to find ways to kind of get around it. And I think that means with sports as well, and we have found ways of sports. I was looking there uh, last weekend, there was a uh, club hurling matches on, and there was 50 or 60 lads there, and I know it's outdoors, but if the rules change and where you can have people indoors, like I'm okay with uh, an MMA event happening with not huge testing. And look, we, there needs to be social distancing. Maybe they need to split the card in two and have like an hour break so they can clean everything out and get the dressing rooms changed and move people in and out and have obviously hand sanitizers and everything like that and no crowds um, if the rules change where you can have people indoors. But I think I just... I think it was just right to kind of say that here and we'll talk about more when the Irish cards come up maybe later in the year and you know I, I asked as well I asked Bellator about the Irish card um, and, and they told me nothing has changed uh, Scott Coker said what Scott Coker said and nothing has changed like there's big rumours of these Milan cards coming up and these Paris cards coming up uh, but uh, <laughs> like who knows what's going to happen but yeah it's uh, it's interesting to see what's what's going to happen but however let's uh, yeah let's move on uh, I, 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 we, we mentioned light heavyweight division there a minute ago before we move maybe to, to next week's card do you see uh, Rumble Johnson is on about coming back at light heavyweight have you interested in seeing Rumble fighting again yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Look, uh, he's back in the the testing pool, so yeah, it looks like he's making a comeback, and it's definitely a well needed addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, somebody who can like he's in Ganu of the of the division, he can knock you out with, with, from anywhere, and he's so dangerous. And um, obviously, he's he's looking. The last time I saw him, he's looking very big, and maybe having to make weight over the years kept him for him. But if he puts the effort in and comes back fit, I think he's definitely still very dangerous. Yeah, I'd like to see him come back at heavyweight, to be honest. But the fact that John Jones and DC are up at heavyweight now, he's probably better off coming back at light heavyweight. But uh, yeah, I think like there's lots of good fights. I'd love to see him fight. Um, 
I'd love to see him fight Yuri Prohachka maybe maybe that's a bit of a two, step too far in his first fight back but uh, someone like a Johnny Walker as well I think could be a good fight I think there's lots of good fights for him there at the, the now defunct light heavyweight division but yeah. uh, he probably sees an opening and you know like I can like DC's gone Jones is gone I can I can win this belt mm-hmm. yeah maybe but <laughs> he, probably, he probably won't but yeah he, maybe, yeah, maybe like Rumble was a very good fighter for a, a good while. Like I, I feel like if this had happened a few years ago and they'd all gone and he was still there or thereabouts, like he's possibly been gone now three years maybe. That's a long time to be gone. So it's uh, it's interesting to see where he goes. A- another thing as well before we move on to next week's card. There's like uh, we we were talking about the COVID and the testing there as well. And obviously the fight, a couple of fights fell off. The Ian Kutalaba fight fell off last night, and a fight fell off the week before. And lots of fights are falling off. Um, yeah, that OSP fight that got rescheduled. Yeah, yeah. Minifield. That's I think that's happening next week as well. I'm looking at next week's card here on Wikipedia, and there's only one fight on the card, and the rest are kind of announced. Yeah, no OSP and uh, Minifield, Minifield yeah. are fighting, but, and Pereira, and yeah. Yeah, the thing about the the testing right now is that oh, Mikel Pereira's fighting sweet, but it's we're in a very precarious position where. People like uh, I think it's Kutalaba failed the test, but it's kind of popping up again, and we don't know. There was someone found recently. I think it was in Nevada that uh, they they got infected for a second time. But a lot of people before it was kind of popping back up in them and failing failing tests when they actually didn't have it anymore. Um, but I think I, I think we should come in the UFC for see like not calling them false positives and pulling people out of the fights now if they have one earlier in the week and then they test them again and test them again and they're, they're negative then they can call it false positive which i don't like as much but you know they're entitled to do that but when you have it you know the night before the fight or the day of the fight or whatever they have been pulling people out and they haven't been afraid to cancel fights so i think you know you we must commend them for that uh and that will be an issue as well when when people are not testing but you know that's an issue we're going to have going for fucking shopping or going to work or whatever as well so it's you know it's an it's an odd one but there's been lots of fights like it's this is going to happen i remember talking to my friend at the start of the pandemic and got like fucking uh, man united are going to be playing crystal palace and fucking luke shaw is going to be pulling out no what's the re- what's the reason oh he got coronavirus he'll be back in two weeks time or like that's going to be a thing that's going to happen over the next while and mma is no different and ufc when they test this much they're going to be finding people and uh you know it's maybe there should be longer um period of incubation before or well is that the word but people you know coming to las vegas earlier so they can get tested more and the bubble longer uh but i think they're they're doing a relatively good job of it anyway but however um Right, this next week's card. Is Mika, okay, over in versus Sky, but Mikel Pereira's fighting. Yes, my favourite fighter in the world, Mikel Pereira's fighting. Anything from this uh, card stick out your gram apart from uh, apart from Mikel Pereira? I know Brian Keller was supposed to fight. Uh, God, who was he supposed to fight? Oh, um, Ricky Simon, I think. And he yeah. uh, he pulled out, but that fight's not happening, so Brian Keller would probably be looking for someone else. But this this card's not bad because you have that Sajar Eubanks, Carlo Rosa fight, you have the OSP, Alonzo Minifield fight, you have Mikel Pereira, you have uh, Montala de la Rosa, Arujo, and you have Overeem Sakai. What, what's sticking out to you? Yeah, well, like the main event should be should be fun. Like, uh, Overeem fights are kind of less fun than they used to be when he was kind of the demolition man and you know eating all that horse meat and <laughs> and all that. So obviously, uh, you know, it, it'll probably be the the kind of long fight Overeem version. The the stay on the outside, don't try to blow the guy out of the water. But um, I don't know the. <laughs> I think Overeem's going to have too much. Uh, I, it's not that exciting of a fight, but I, I do always like an Overeem fight. And obviously, um, um, Pereira fight is is a is a 
the kind of standout fight. It's a really close fight. It's a hard one to pick as well, which I like as well. Uh, the Menafield OSP fight I see probably being a boring decision. Um, and the rest of the fights, uh, I don't know. It's 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 an okay card. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's great. I think it's good. Watching, uh, obviously the uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Sakai Overeem um, fights before this. Like Sakai, Sakai is like a big kind of <laughs> fat everywhere. I don't see. Like he looks like a middleweight who's kind of just. It, like me for fucking six months and is now a heavyweight. You know, he's he's one of those, uh, and he's got he's very powerful. Which against Overeem, it can be useful because we know what Overeem's chin is like after all the damage it's taken throughout the years. But at the same time, Overeem, as you mentioned, has kind of found a different way to fight. We saw it against JDS and we saw it against other people as well, where he is now more careful than he's ever been before. So against a guy like Sakai, who's not as um, not as athletic as him or not as skillful as him, I don't think. I think it's a good fight for Overeem. Now, five rounds, he could get caught at any one time, but yeah, I, I'd favour Overeem in that. Um, and you know, Cole Smith versus Hunter Azor on the undercard as well, but Miguel Pereira, that's that's the one I'm I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, but however. Um, right, last few minutes here. Let's, let's answer a few questions. But one thing I want to talk about as well, I put it into the, the topics uh, there yesterday. It's this, in the last maybe 10 days or so, it's been the anniversary of Conor McGregor versus Clyde Mayweather and also the anniversary of um, uh, Randy Couture versus James Tony. And I thought it was, a, I think it was Bloody Elbow, but I was, the uh, the tweet or the, the article about Randy Couture getting his black belt after beating James Tony, and there was like a laughing picture of it as he did it. Uh, what do you think about these crossover fights? Like, to, to me, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and I mentioned before, and I think it's it's kind of a topic that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep mentioning over the next while. But like, I think MMA especially needs to be exciting. It needs to be entertaining. We need something to kind of and it needs you know that Cam Soda card that was on the last day where there was like two lads fighting one and there was a f- hilarious MC and all. It was fucking stupid shit. But we need some stupid shit in MMA as well. Like MMA is not just you know Kobe Covington versus uh, versus Kamarusman or it's not just Volkanovski versus Holloway. These really good technical matchups with two very good fighters. We have them batshit crazy parts. Free show well. fights. Free yeah. show fight. People always complain about the free show fights or i'm not gonna watch that but then you see the people tweeting and talking about it because they've obviously watched it and they you know they attract you know putinowski even like you know in ksw attracted an audience to them and they used they used it to promote people like gamrot it's like it's always been part of mma yeah like look at pride 100 mm-hmm. percent. and i think it should remain part of mma uh and even in the ufc level like i i think there is something to it that Right, we'll, I, I probably complained about these things as well, but, like, reflecting on it, that's something, it's something, said a McGregor um, uh, Mayweather thing, it's something we look back on, what is it, three or four years later, or whatever it is, and even in ten years' time, we'll say, that was a fucking trip, that was insane, wasn't it, like, and... Uh, is that really a bad thing? Like, did it do... It earned both lads a lot of money and maybe it it, it harmed uh, the MMA fans' experience of Conor McGregor because he didn't fight as much at, at uh, lightweight after that or, or anyway even. But I feel like things like that... As long as, you know, we, we don't want them happening every fucking week where, you know, uh, Adrian Broner is fighting Falkanovsky, you know, or whatever it might be. And uh, next week you have fucking Jorge Linares fighting fucking Max Holloway or whatever. You know, we, we don't want that happening every week. But I think 
if there is the opportunity to do it, even like this uh, Cyborg versus Katie Taylor fight they're talking about, I'd like to see that. I think that'd be fun. You know, uh, obviously, if it happened in MMA, Cyborg would destroy her. But I think in boxing, Katie Taylor's obviously going to win. But I think it'd be, I think it'd be more competitive than than a lot of them would be, and I'd I'd like to see it. But um, these we need to keep in mind that MMA is not only, and and this is a thing that. I think everyone in MMA has kind of fallen down the trap when you love the sport and when you want to see the best happen for the sport that we just want it like, you know, number one contender must fight the champion, number three must fight number four and, you know, we, we need to keep it a meritocracy and everything like that. I don't think we do. I think we're better off having that. You know, we need that as well, but we also need madness. We also need the fun. We no, we need Mikel Pereira. You know, we we need Johnny Walker. We need Madla. We need Ryan Hall with a different style. We need the fun, exciting people. You know, coming in. We need you know whether like love him or hate him. We need Sean uh, Sean O'Malley. We need Conor McGregor. We need people like that in in MMA, and we need the madness as well. And I'm 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 up for more of it, you know, <laughs> you know, and I'm uh, I think it, it should happen, but uh, however, um, right. Let's answer a couple of questions before we uh, we go. Um, Mister Podge, is this the best time ever to be an up and comer at light heavyweight with Jones gone? It probably is, isn't it? You know, you you've more of a chance now ever than the, the number one fight for the title and number two win the title. Good time to be a light heavyweight, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Kind of like I mentioned with Rumble Johnson, he's probably seen yeah. an, an opportunity there. Like, and the other guys who have seen that move up before Rumble kind of got back into the, the USADA testing pool were probably thinking it's a pretty, you know, decent chance of getting towards the top here or even being the champion. And obviously, Rumble throws a bit of a spanner in the works. But as we said, like, he's been out for a few years. What has he been doing? Has he been in the gym? We don't really know. But um, depending on what shape he comes in, he's definitely, he's kind of a if you can get a win over him then you're kind of you're kind of there at the at the title shot i think yeah uh yeah very true yeah and i, I like i think it makes and he's it... a guy you know he's a very dangerous mm-hmm. guy and all that but he's a guy who if he starts going against him is is kind of he's like all right fine here's yeah. my back <laughs> yeah that, that's true so he makes him a little look good yeah um uh mitch buchanan asked about the last how stupid did the last 10 seconds of the fight look and someone else as well we forgot to mention it but uh they asked about the the head kick at the end of the cummins fight we'll talk about that in a second but that the end of the Rackage fight, right, where he puts his hand up with five seconds to go and then he comes out and cuts a promo looking for a title fight. I'm like, God almighty, how, you know, you don't have the facilities for that big man. You know, how the fuck can you, like, like read the room at that situation? Like, you just put on a really boring fight against a guy who's good but not great and you probably should have just stood up and knocked him out like you could have. Uh, and then you come out looking for a title shot and you fucking... Yeah, you know, you celebrate with five seconds left in the fight. It's like, no, that's just not the move at all. But anyway, um, and the Cummins head kick right at the at the last bell that was interesting. So the fight went down fifteen minutes, and exactly at the fifteen minute mark, Cummins and it was nothing wrong with the the uh, the, the the kicker. It was legal and everything. Nothing wrong with the referee or the fight or anything. Hit him with a head kick and knocked him down, and then the bell went. And then I think it was Mark Smith was the referee, if I'm not mistaken. He looked at uh, the Shikaro, I believe it was. Um, he kind of stumbled once, and he kind of got to the cage and stumbled around again. But it was the end of the fight, and I I think it's an interesting one because if this was at the end of the second round, would have been stopped. Um, I think the answer to would it have been stopped is no, and I think the answer to should it have been stopped was probably yes. But the difference here is it's the end of the fight, and I think common sense was right to prevail here. It's like the fight's over. He made it to the end of the fight, and I know that you can't be saved by the bell. If we wanted to be, uh, if if he wanted to stop it, he could have stopped it, but. 
I think he was saved by the bell for the fact that Cummins couldn't have come across the cage and punch him once more and the referee would have to step in and stop it. I think that's why he was saved by the bell. So, like, I think the referee made the right decision here. Like, Cummins went down and won the fight anyway, but um, I, I thought it was the right decision to make and I think it was uh, I think it was right to, to let it go to the decision. What, what did you think of that last second head kick? Yeah, I thought I thought it should have went to a decision, but I, I do agree that if it was if it was the end of another round, it probably should have been, but wouldn't have been called. Mm-hmm. But it's a tricky situation. Like I can see it both ways, and I have no real. If the ref had called it off, I wouldn't have had that much of a problem with it. But I think, yeah, I think he, he kind of stood up and stumbled and kind of fell and stood up again. I think he was, he if he was if he was out like more where he was like twitching or he was out cold, and yeah. But I think the, the fact that he was able to get up eventually even though he kind of fell over uh made it the right decision yeah um paul chillage here we're gonna uh, in futures we're gonna answer more uh, more twitter questions on the podcast and on the q a as well so if you ha- your question hasn't been answered here it will be on the q a so uh, patreon.com forward slash severe May podcast sign up there and i like a 30 to 40 minute q a every week so uh, you'll be able to uh, hear that there but anyway uh paul chillage asks who's next for smith what about Anthony Johnson versus Anthony Smith? I think that fight makes a little bit of sense. I think that's good matchmaking for Anthony Rumble Johnson coming back. I think Smith is a beatable guy, but a tough fight at the same time moving forward. What do you think of that yeah. fight? Yeah, for Smith, there's definitely roots to victory there. If he can avoid the big shots and gra- grapple, there's definitely that. But uh, yeah, I think yeah that does make sense. I don't know how close to being ready Rumble is. Yeah, if if he's ready to go, then then yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's uh, let's make it happen. Let's see it go. Um, other than that, yeah, there's there's an LFA fight next week. I don't see anyone, any huge names on that, but uh, the UFC card. Bellator have two cards coming up the week after, so we'll obviously talk about them next week, and uh, we'll get uh, we'll get more into it then. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'll be Sunday next week or maybe next two weeks might be Monday. Graham, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure yet, but we'll uh, we'll see and we'll we'll keep you all updated on that. But uh, the Severe May podcast will be back as usual uh, over the next while. Uh, anyway, um, before I go, last thing I must say, congratulations to uh, Arsenal winning the first uh, trophy of the year. Commiserations, Liverpool and being shit. But uh, that's that's that anyway, Graham. Any any words? Any words on that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to have you know a competitive, competitive friendly. Uh, Was I didn't actually see a second of it. Was any good? I actually missed the first half, but um, um, yeah, not really. You know, you can see that having a preseason, people aren't sharp. Um, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a mess the whole situation now. There's a Nations League international break. What is that about? Like, why are they yeah, doing international? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Ridiculous. They always do this fucking shit. Yeah. Oh, that's stupid. Absolutely stupid. But anyway, um, right. We might have a we might have a soccer podcast coming up in the next week or so. Graham, we'll be over on Patreon. Don't we want we won't say what or who? Yeah, yet, yeah. We, 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 once we once we have it once we have it in the bag, then we'll then we'll announce it. But yeah, looks like there's going to be one um, late next week. Yeah, so sign up for that Patreon to come for us for my podcast. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, actually, in the last week, there's a few fun podcasts gone, went up, and it's they're not uh, like time uh, oriented or anything. So I did like. Um, I did a review of like the heavyweight division from the first champion to the last champion. It's actually pretty interesting. I think I'm going to do it for the lightweight division as well next. I might do it this week or maybe next week. Uh, but that was very interesting. Myself and Andy Stevenson had a look at uh, at Irish MMA and all. There's lots of Irish MMA fights coming up and lots of Irish MMA fighters. So we, I don't know, we're like 50 minutes of a podcast there. I only went up on Thursday, I think, uh, and uh, some other things as well. There was I did the Q and A last week, and my, me and you, Graham, did a podcast uh, as well talking about John Jones and other things as well. So lots of stuff up on Patreon. Uh, 
as well as patreon.com forward slash severe mail podcast price of a pint a month severe mail.com forward slash points literally the price of a pint a month if you're not if you can't buy points anymore you might as well buy us one so uh that's it thank you to everybody for listening and all that's left to do is give the inspiration quote of the week keep the faith keep working hard and great things will come we'll see you next tuesday or sunday or maybe monday